of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 270. Jason Lingren is with me and Dylan Sacoccio. I've been reading some of Dylan's books, and I think it offers helpful ways for people to think about things. As it turns out, learning how to think about language in a way you were not taught in school is a big deal. Uh, but anyhow, welcome, Jason. And an absolutely beautiful morning it is. All right. So before we jump in here with Dylan, I just want to say a thing about law. If you don't understand wholly, in whole, 360-degree circle in whole, don't mess around. This system that we call legal ideas, law, uh, it was put together over such a long period of time that it probably precedes the history we're aware of. And it's been refined over that time. We're going to have some more guests on. We're going to have Ken from Gemstone University, which I guess by the time you hear that, you'll have heard this. And you'll start to see every time we do a legal episode, I realize the more I know, the less I know. And what we find, and listen very carefully, is people who have done things successfully for the most part on a level that matters have studied for decades. And so I just want to make it perfectly clear, this is not a thing you play with. This is a system that will bite your ass if it can, and it can. So anything you'd add to that, Jason? <sighs> yeah, it, it really does concern me. Don't go doing things just because you think you know what you're doing. You might know what you're doing, but you might not, and you just don't know. And once they get you in the system, you're kind of screwed because now they've got you, and you're going to have that much harder of a time trying to get yourself out. There, there are plenty of examples of people who've actually done prison time. And I'll say it again. It's one thing to stand up for your rights. It's another thing to try to put someone in some form of liability and other ideas. And do you understand jurisdiction wholly? Do you understand your standing wholly? There, there is so much to this. So I'll say it one more time before we jump in here. These legal ideas, this to me, we're at the bottom of the mountain and we're trying to climb a new Everest for the first time. There are going to be plenty of people who don't make it to the top. Finally, someone will, and that's why we're doing this, but there's the warning. Don't screw around with these things thinking that it's just something you work out in your spare time because uh, I haven't taken any action. Jason, have you taken any action? No, because the one thing I absolutely do understand, and this is what you must understand, is that jurisdiction is everything. Your personal jurisdiction, how you are being represented to the system. You have to understand what it is and what it is not. Well, what I'm seeing is a bit like people show up on a game field that has established rules. And the moment you get on the game field to play, you're under those established rules. You've basically said, I agree, here I am on the game field. So there it is. Enough said. Welcome, Dylan. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be on your show. For the audience's benefit, I've been subscribed to both of you since before you started working together, so over half a decade. And one of the things, I know you don't really get many compliments from the guests on air, but one of my favorite things about both of you is that you've always kept your integrity and you've always pursued these subjects with earnestness and sincerity. And you haven't abandoned your basic principles of do no harm. And I think that's one of the best things about the way you reach your broad audiences is that you have always highlighted the fact that no matter what your beliefs are or your ideology is, you want to proceed in a way that causes the least amount of harm to other beings as possible. And that's always what the earmark of what somebody is worthy of talking to about these things for me. And uh, I just want to say that I'm proud of you and I'm proud to have been on that journey with both of you. And it's a real honor to be here. Well, thank you for that. And in my view, what you're talking about is the difference between being on the kind of dark left-hand path, what I consider the opposite of that, the right-hand path. Um, but before we get in here, Dylan, why don't you mention the names of the three books that I have been reading through and where people can find them or any other contact uh, that you'd like to put out online. By the way, if you put out an email, you will be bombarded beyond belief, probably. Um, and I will also add, uh, I grabbed the e-reader books. I think they're four bucks a pop. But go ahead, Dylan. Um, no, so the the e-books first. So the the books that you're referring to are Spirit World. That's the series. And Spirit World is spelled uh, W-H-I-R-L-E-D. 
and that's going to tie into what the language and homonyms and stuff like that that we're going to cover. That's the series. And the the ebooks are nine dollars a pop or ten dollars a pop, and then the the paperback is what I recommend people buy. But the ebooks are also great because they are amazing indexes. So these the information in these books will assist you in your own research, and then later on you can refer back to them really quick by just typing in the search for keywords that you need to refer back to. Um, but as people can see with Amazon right now which is probably the best place to get it. Uh, expanded distribution is available, but it's always going to come through Amazon's uh, publishers or because they own the, the printing presses that they bought the companies. Amazon banned stuff. And they just, I'm not even a big fan of that guy, Mark Dice or anything, but I just noticed they banned his latest book and they got it on a technicality because of the print, the type of font he used with the Hollywood sign on his book cover. Huh. Someone in Hollywood made some sort of like copyright infringement claim or whatever. And Amazon took it down. Didn't even give him the opportunity to like re-upload a different cover. So once these books get popular, and I'm not talking about my books, but just once books that are, that kind of combat the mainstream narrative, they can take them down for any reason. So in addition to Amazon, pretty much every online bookstore you can think of, they will be available from Apple books to Google play. And uh, as far as, uh, any of my contact information or websites, I'm not trying to be found. Like I, I, I'm no, I don't want to be a personality in this space. I'm just here talking to you guys because I respect both of your work so much. And I would like to give a shout out to um, Chance Garten and I believe Matt Landman, who is probably responsible for why I'm talking to you. But I don't, I, th- I think it, I'm not sure. Uh, Chance runs an Interverse podcast. You both of you have been on and did great shows there. Actually, we're talking because I got a hold of your first book, but just let me put. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Um, So, so folks, if you want to go to the Evil Empire and search, it's Dylan D Y L A N. The last name is S A C C O C C I O. Whether or not you agree with the totality of the premise is irrelevant. What's on offer as the most important foundation? is probably a way to think about things that you might not, or maybe you did. In my case, when I was young, I did it as a hobby and just thought it was some ridiculous thing I did to myself. And later on in life, I began to realize phonetic meanings of words, sounds like, is like. Um, What I used to use was what I learned in school, the prefix, the suffix, and the root, which is maybe better defined in Dylan's books. And it wasn't up until I was probably in my late 30s, I began to realize, hey, man, this stuff seems to matter. And then later on, I ran into people like Reverend Robert Taylor, and there it was, published in full view that I was not high on peyote. There was something to this. But Dylan, before we jump in, I want to prove to people, this is what the second time we've spoken, right? Um, yes. We haven't set up any of this except for some of the topics, but I'm going to do a test to show that this matters. Let's use biblical scripture and the sky clock. And I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and you tell me where we are in the course of a year. Okay. Sure. So then I saw Philip gathering the last fruits. Where are we in the year? Sagittarius. That's right. Can we explain Philip- why? Yeah. Philippos means the lover of horses. And so when you start talking about Philippos, you're going to be talking about the mighty hunter before the Lord. And you're going to be talking about uh, strength being in the hands and the bow and not delighting in the man, uh, the legs of uh, a man. So you're going to be right. describing Sagittarius. There it is. And of course, the last fruit is because you're past the harvest. Now I'm going to do another one here. Put me on the spot. I'm not prepared for this, right? Yes, you are. You're going to nail this. My palms are sweaty. I know that I I got here independent of you, and I'm not doing the real difficult one. So I'll do another one. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, what part of the year are we in? And how do we know that? Because of the ammonian radicals, right? There, no. Yeah, there. Uh, it's a uh, venery. It's, it's all about spring, the pursuit of gratification. That's where Venus, the root of that is. And she rules Taurus. That's how you know when to plant your crops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, I'll, and I'll add um, the way that I came to it was verily when you start to do the etymology breakdown, what the Reverend Robert Taylor called Ramonian radicals, what you see is what what did, what are all the words that came from this? What is the root meaning? And V-E-R, it's positive. It's like saying yes with an exclamation point. Very, verily, vernal, 
like the equinox. And so what we're actually talking about is the sun. And so in this case, it's almost like saying, and this is like an allegory, you know what? I could bet everything I own, and I'm not a betting man, that the sun will come up tomorrow at exactly the precise second it is supposed to. There's the idea expressed. I'll do, I'll do one more. So what do you say, Dylan? Let's go out and have some bread and wine. What part of the year are we in? What sign of the zodiac? We're going to be talking about leaving Virgo and entering Libra. There it is. And so people know when you're talking about the blood of the Christ, the blood of the grape, the spirit of basically the sun, all these ideas wrapped up in this because everybody knows or used to know uh, before grocery stores were here when the harvest came. And so the two pillars idea is going to be based on what we're talking about. These these are typically going to be the both of the equinoxes. But anyhow, I just wanted to prove to folks, those, those are things that I came to on my own before I read any literature where I finally realized, hey, man, I'm not the only one in the world. And I assume to some degree you did the same. But where do you want to jump in here? Let's do a, an outline I, of language. Yeah, I think, I think we should just start really quickly because people who aren't familiar with language might think what we're saying is, is crazy in, in the, the average person. We take for granted that we live in a literate society. And really, if you go back to the 1500s, the majority of Europeans were not literate. But then only 300 years later in the 1800s, the majority of Europeans were literate, right? But one of the things that we don't realize is language doesn't just come to us through coincidence. It is and always has been something that's designed by the priest class. And almost every word that is created, there is spiritual and material ideas laid up in those words to convey them. And the reason all these languages from all over the world have similar roots is because the priest class travels from place to place through imperialism. And that's how they conquer places and set up structures and governments that are based entirely on the religious values of the priest class or the religious symbolism of the priest class that sets it up. And so when you look at like, even like I've seen claims, like even as late as like 1900, only 20% or 30% of the Russian empire was literate. I mean, that's crazy, but you see that Americans, the 80% of Americans were literate by the time we, you know, 1776. And so language is the like double-edged sword that sets people people free or enslaves them because the more you know in language the more ideas you can convey to people and the less you know the less you can convey and it's also the only way we can think right your language basically 100%. is the fence around the possibilities of things you can think about so to rephrase what you just said uh, a good grasp and a wide grasp of language in a meaningful way lets you grow wings and fly. But by the same token, a limited understanding of language puts you in a pen. Or paddocks you. Remember there that? There you go. That guy's last name? Yeah. We yeah. won't say that, though, because we don't, we, don't, we don't want Uncle that name familiar. molesting us. Okay. Go read <laughs> Macbeth. Yeah, go read Macbeth if you want to know about paddock. <laughs> the demon familiar frog. Another thing we take for granted is recording instruments. I mean, you just said... All those symbols you just gave me, you just beautifully, like a work of art, even though it's simple and fun, like a work of art, you just proved why we needed those symbols and allegories from fables to mythology to scripture is because that's how you encode things when you don't have modern day technology to record things in processes. Right. And so, I mean, what you're pointing to is in one way, it's supposed that the information never gets lost, but in another, well, I guess that's kind of true. Look where we are now, clueless mostly, yet we're putting all this back together. But let's talk a minute about the priest class so people get where we're coming from here. Um, it was a group of men, and they knew things that the rest of so called society did not. They could say things like, hey, man, Tomorrow at noon, I'll bet you the, the sun gets blotted out from the sky. And all the people without a clue, no basis to understand what or why or how, these dudes were almost magical, right? Because they had this information about the sky clock, about nature, about a thing that actually is foundationally, provably perfect from our point of view, not man-made systems, mind you. 
but the foundational reason for all of this. And I guess as time went on, they liked being rock stars. So then it became, how can we elevate ourselves further? So then it became information. Is it a premium? And if you ain't in our club, you ain't getting it. And the most basic things about how the world works suddenly became these myths and these elaborate allegories and people slowly over time, I surmise, completely lost the thread and it had kind of a double-edged sword. It made a group of people know things that no one else was aware of that probably most of us probably knew at some point about our world. But what it further did was all the people who'd bought into the allegories and the stories, their entire reality, the way they think, the way they use language became based in fantasy. And what would you add there, Dylan? Well, isn't it ironic that in every ancient city or, or ruins that we have access to, you always find theaters from Theos, God, and history's first actors were called hypocrites who wore different masks and they were the priest class and those masks were called personas. And so going back to what you just said about them wanting to be rock stars, that's one of the ways that they kind of spread uh, the information. But a lot of the time, I think it gets mixed up because even the actors eventually lose track of what the performances are supposed to signify in the heavens. I think we could really dive into something right now if you want to get a little advanced since you just said that a group of men knew the stars and that was the priest class. It ties directly with with what you're talking about in the beginning with the King James uh, Bible and all of our legal systems being based on that. What is the Holy See? Why is it spelled S-E-E? People think that's a coincidence? You think that's just wordplay? It's think not. Vision, think it just means their vision's really good? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this, so you just brought this, so we might as well go into this since most of the modern solar cults kind of come from these. The Holy See pertains to seership. And in the Eleusinian mysteries, that was called epoptai, right? So a seer is the epopt. What's the root of that? Pope. That's the pope. He's the seer. Epoptis, which means overseer. Right, because epi means over, scopos seer. This is where episcopos, episcopal, comes from. That's the Greek etymology, and in Latin it'd be episcopos because the sc is kind of like a sh, like an sh sound, right? Besicapisis. Episcopos in Greek means a watcher in a spiritual sense, but it also means a scopos is one that watches, looks after is a guardian or a protector. Um, it's a goal, a mark on which to focus. And so if you search the meaning for the audience's benefit, I'll transliterate it for you. Just type in E-P-I-S, epis, and then K-O-P-O-S, scopos, all one word. And most modern translations in that search engine will return with the meaning bishop. Right. And so this is the old English word for bishop and high priest contains the same root as episcopal, piscop, bishop, the episcopacy, the bishopcy, which all pertains to seership because these are the astro astronomers and astrologers of the time. And a diocese pertains to being under the watch or guardianship of a bishop who is a watcher. So when you see watchers, seers, prophets, all that stuff in, in scripture, it's talking about astronomers. It's not talking about fallen angels and all this other weird nonsense everybody deludes themselves with. This is how society was able to survive is because by observing heaven, you know exactly what time of year to plant which crops and grains so that your people can be fed. And so people's survival depended on this knowledge. And so they didn't have to work normal jobs. So their job was to watch the heavens. There it is. I know a lot of heads are, it is beyond provable. Um, I was going to go down the hill of Mars idea um, to demonstrate all the language, you know, seeing from a high mountain and all these things that go on. And, and when we opened, uh, we showed methods that can be used to, to show you this. A lot of this is about the seasons. And why is it about the seasons? Because the sun is, for lack of better language, a different actor. In every of the 12 months, something different is going on. And that is reflected on what it's going to take for you to survive. And, and to prove it, you did, all you got to do is look at a chipmunk, right? What's a chipmunk doing in the spring? 
They're having babies right after that. What are they doing? They're gathering food like their life depends on it, like thousands and thousands of seeds all day long, back and forth. I watch them all the time. Why? Because winter is coming. And if they don't lay away enough food, they ain't going to make it. Now, it's hard for us to think in these ways because we think we can just hit Ralph's or stop and shop and we'll be fine. But the truth is, where in the hell does Ralph's and stop and shop get all their food? Now, they've got greenhouses and clever ways they figured out to be able to produce broken from the cycle of nature. But at any moment, you are a breath, the spirit of the Lord away from being forced back to how nature wants it. One system breaks, uh, your greenhouses crumble, whatever it might be, and you're back in the same boat. You got to plant in spring, you got to harvest in the fall for most part. But where do you want to go here, Dylan? I was going to ask you, you know, within within the word Pope, there's a claim for bridge building and this this all becomes nautical very quickly, which you might get into. But sure let's start here. I've, I used to express it as uh, the phonetic idea. I used to say sounds like is like. So if it's the Holy Sea, is there holes in that sea? Yeah, it is holy. <laughs> uh, that's I got Jordan Maxwell always joked about that. It's holy. <laughs> Because there's tons of holes in it. And they keep, like, as you said earlier with Jason, when you guys were introducing, this system will nail you if you don't know what you're doing. And you likened it to playing a game that they have all the rules and everything stacked. But the reality is, I look at it as uh, it's almost like playing Monopoly with like my friend's six year old who keeps making the rules up as he goes once he finds out he's losing. And that's exactly what they do. They've had over 600 years. To perfect this system. And like you said, it's holes. There's holes in it. It's holy. It's you could say it's heli or uh, eli, like elites, like Elios, because the Greeks don't pronounce that H. It's Helios, it's hell. It's the cult of hell, the sun. The, the root for all 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 to do with your health, healing yep. or the heel of your foot. Or you see where we're going here? Helios. Helios, which when you get down to breaking the radicals and everything, you're going to get to hell. You're going to get to L. And the problem is, is that you were taught nearly the exact opposite way to think about things when you were in school. I mean, am I wrong here? <laughs> that it's, you, we all, a lot of us grew up in like basically Bolshevik communist trash concentration camp style environments. And we thought we were in a first world country. Now, our minds are totally destroyed on how to think. And so I think where we should go is maybe just some basic methods for languages so people can kind of run with us a little bit. And there's certain ways to break down words and to, to understand what you're dealing with. And one of them, the first one would just be to look like on your own time and your research when you're looking up a word, look up the definitions throughout time. Because sometimes you go 100 years back and a word means something totally different than it does today. And one of my favorite words to do that with is fetishism. And I know people are like, what the hell is this guinea talking about? <laughs> fetish. Now you hear that word, you think of like some weird sexual desire, like a foot fetish or something freaky like that, or not to judge anybody. Sorry about that. But you think of something like a sexual fetish, right? But if you go back like a hundred years and read an old book, fetishism is basically the last stage of collapse of a religion when it goes more towards material symbols and has lost the spiritual meaning of those symbols and it's collapsing mm. into idolatry. That's what fetishism really meant. So definitions throughout time matter. Another one you see them pervert all the time today because they're attaching it to like Pantifa and all these weird radical groups, which would be anarchy, you know? And You've had guests break this down before, and it, anarchy in the Greek world meant without rulers, not without rules or chaos. You can still have laws and any type of body of governance that you wanted. It doesn't mean no rules. It just means no actual kings, no archons. But now today, it means chaos or it means lawlessness You know, to most people. It's a lot of stuff like that that matters, and we can't access uh, information today that was created thousands of years ago, if we're reading it at the mindset we're at today, you have to be able to go back to the mindset that created the language. So just to put a fine point, um, etymology, always important, but keep in mind that in, for the most part in English, 
almost always you can break a word down to three parts uh, almost and when that's not possible you can certainly break it down to two parts unless you're just mm-hmm. talking about a letter or two but in school you were taught the idea of a suffix a root a prefix so that's kind of helpful but you see in in the way you were taught there's like these neat little divisions that you're supposed to hold on to throw all those divisions out throw them all out and you start to get back so Dylan calls that word splitting. And so in his books, he begins to formalize the idea, which I think is very helpful to formalize. See, this is the thing that I did that when I first started doing it, I thought it was just some weird hobby I did in my head that didn't matter. Found out later, it does matter. Found out later, there were people who actually schematized and formalized the importance. And then I found out there's a whole science, the idea of the ammonian radicals and other things that pointed it out. And the, the next one is phonetics. Sounds like is like is the way I have described it. But again, in Dylan's books, it is much more broadly defined for people. And then the third method, well, jump in. Let's go to etymology and roots and radicals and just give one example just so people can pick up what you're laying down. Look at the word, the Hebrew word for the moon, yareach, right? What's in the middle of that? Rea, yareach, right? R-E-A, but if, you, if I were to transliterate, Rhea, but Rhea in Greek is another archetype for the moon. And where does the name, another name that comes from Yareach? Yariko, Jericho. So when you're reading scripture, important to know etymologies. And then, so what are we talking about? Seven times around Jericho before the walls fell? <laughs> well, Jericho corresponds to the moon. Are we talking about something literal or are we talking about some sort of process possibly or some sort of deeper symbolism? And that's when you start getting into the alchemical correspondences that are encoded in the scriptures. That's why etymology and roots or radicals, as you just rightly pointed out, are crucial. And then with like phonetics, things, uh, there's like a subset, a subcategory that you could put in like phonetics and anagrams and stuff like that. That is kind of obvious, but it's often overlooked. It's just homonyms, right? So a homonym for the audience's benefit is a word that sounds the same, but is spelled differently and means something different. Or if it's spelled the same, it might mean something different. A good one would be like one, the number one, like O-N-E. And then you also have one as in W-O-N, which pertains to victory. Or even the word homonym itself is a homonym because you have the grammatical meaning of homonym. And then you also have homonym meaning man, like an ad homonym attack, which means to the man where you address the man and not his argument. That's a homonym. And so that's something that's very much overlooked. And one of the tools that they use in scriptures and mythologies is they'll take homonyms from other languages and like mix them in. So the more languages you know, the more you can understand the code that's laid up in the symbolism of the word and get what they're laying down. And word splitting, like you talked about, what's one of the most favorite things to highlight in the legal community? It's understand, right? It's people like, do you understand? People even come up like uh, James Bomar. He says, I don't say understand anymore. I say understand. And then you have like Martin Kenny and all these other people running with understand. Because understand in the legal world does not mean do you comprehend something. It means do you stand under it and under my authority. And if you, the judge asks you if you understand, the claim is that you're consenting to be governed by his, his rulings or whatever, his jurisdiction, if you will. Boy, we should make an uh, educational homily. <laughs> <laughs> the Crow and Jason uh, Udemy, Udemy class, online class. And then you have anagrams, right? Because in, encoded in the anagrams is all, and homonyms and phonetics, you also have something like ours, right? So we have ours, O-U-R-S, which pertains to possession. We own something or we are in possession of something. And then you have ours that the sun measures, the 60 mi- minutes duration, which is H-O-U-R-S, spelled the same just with an H in front of it, pronounced the same. And then you look at ours, the time, that's just an anagram for Horus, the sun, at the horizon. All of this is encoded, and they love encoding aspects of the sun in everything because you will see almost every word in our language 
has some sort of and every number like the arabic numerals every every thing every letter is a symbol and in that symbol you will find some aspect of nature or the cosmos encoded in that and you can see that i mean even in the word the yes the, we say yes in affirmation that comes from upsilon eta sigma which is an old name for bacchus right the sun right bacchus sometimes you see bacchus as jack us right i a c c h u s and in that is kush another c h u s is another way to spell kush who begot nimrod and you will further see all of this sun symbolism encoded everywhere because what you are dealing with is a solar cult in the legal world in the religious world they are not split up there is no separation of church and state like we were led to believe well, it's not just that. It's across all cultures that mm -hmm. have existed any length of time. And to get back to it, I don't remember if it was the Reverend Robert Taylor. I think I'd seen hints of the Arabic numeral idea where every character is an aspect of the sun. As a matter of fact, I think I just read that you had covered that in, is it your second book? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I can't remember if it's Reverend Robert Taylor. Take eight as an example. Um, the Christian mystics will tell you the exact same thing. There's a number of places to tell you the exact same thing. You're basically in an eight where the two circles come together. That's the ecliptic. So you're looking at one representation of the sun above the ecliptic, which tells you time of the equator. Year. Or I'm sorry, the equator. That's right. The, the ecliptic, that was a total bag on my part. The ecliptic is the path of the sun and moon and roughly the planets, the equator, everyone's familiar with. So the top loop of the eight is the sun above the equator. The bottom loop is below. Uh, look at three, look at two. It's all aspects of equinoxes, those kind of sideways symbols. And it, it pulls right into our, our alphabet as well. Like when Z was added, um, that slanted line representing things about, I guess we could say the, the equinox idea. But it's all there, and this is what people have missed. And part of the problem, and why I'm try so careful on how I deliver this, is one thing I noticed about the Reverend Robert Taylor, and I could be mistaken. It's been a long time since I've looked at it, but I remember walking away feeling like he'd lost his spiritual aspects of his life. Like he'd come to this undeniable truth, and he decided, well, there it is. This is all nonsense. This is all encoded BS. I was made a fool of, and now I'm wiser for it to hell. And I think that's a shame. I think that's a real shame. And furthermore, I think maybe that's part of designed in to all these systems that when people begin to catch on, they, they literally throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, what do you think, Dylan? Well, I think it comes down to our responsibility as individuals to make choices. Uh, you have a choice in every moment, no matter how bleak it is, and your choice is how you think about something. And I think, you know, I think also being thrown in a jail for, for what right. he did probably had something to do with that. And his life was stripped of him. He lost everything. But twice. In, yeah. 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 And so I can appreciate that. And that's why with with what I like about you and Jason and the work that all of us are doing is you can still look at this and say the world's effed up, but my world doesn't have to be. I can still find beauty in everything. I can appreciate this knowledge. In fact, for me, this knowledge is empowering and it brings me closer to God. Because when you really see the ideas laid up in uh, these languages, it was not created by the types of the people that are involved with the priest class of present day. They are totally totally different people. Today, all these institutions are more traditional and from the mystery schools to everything else, these people in that have lost most of the knowledge. And it seems like the knowledge was lost as more people became literate, ironically, because it was no longer protected by the priest class. And I think that's kind of like the, it's, it's like a sick joke or like a game, but going back to what you're saying, yeah, you see this, people get burned out. That's why for me, I wrote my books. My books are a way of hitting back from the way my life, I feel like my life was kind of blackballed and destroyed in a way, not in an overt way, but in just in certain subtle ways. 
And it's just my way of saying, F you. I'm going to give them this knowledge and there ain't shit you're going to do about it because nobody has a right to decide what you are worthy of beholding. Everybody needs to be able to look at everything and come to their own conclusions and hopefully doing it with multiple people so they can bounce ideas off each other and say, hey, Crow, what are you seeing in this symbolism? Jason, what are you seeing? We're all going to have a different perspective, but when we come together and eventually whittle down our perspective to something that's observable and knowable and you can't deny, then the truth becomes apparent. And that's what's so good about what you guys are doing with the legal world is you're getting all these different people that are trying things and you're hopefully purifying it. You guys are kind of like doing an alchemical process. You're like the vitriol. You're saying what works and how can we eventually come to some place that all of these methods are foolproof. And that's very empowering. But with power become, comes responsibility. And the reason, as Voltaire said, that people don't want freedom is because they really, what they're really saying is they don't want responsibility. They want someone else to do everything for them. And that's why government is what it is. It's what a king is. I, I can't be king on myself, so you be king for me. Um, yeah. But I, I'll say another word to hopefully not steer people off a cliff. Think about this. All these systems we're talking about, they are mimics or leveraging in sometimes very perverse ways off the creation. As I have said, there is no lie in nature. A lot of people like to be take umbrage with it, but I'm sorry. From where we're standing as men and women, sons and daughters, there is no more perfection we can observe. And if you can detect things that don't quite fit perfection, doesn't matter. It's the best we got. And not only that, you are part of it. There are biblical scriptures that still hold their value. All are of the dust, all return to the dust. Those are all chemical ideas. Those are natural science ideas. So what I'm getting at here is when you begin to understand that not only have you been hoodwinked, literally hoodwinked, everyone else was, and whether you think someone in the Middle East is different, you're wrong. The same principles from a priest class that I don't know if they were centralized at one point or how it all happened doesn't matter. We can demonstrate that it's all mimicking the creation. And so there is your proof that the spiritual intent of a human being, a living man or a living woman, a son or a daughter, should not be lost in understanding the degree to which systems have been put in place to fool us and to dumb us down and to get us to believe in literal things that never happened. That's what I would add. And that's why I'm try I try to be very careful about how I go at these things, because I don't know if I'm right about the Reverend Robert Taylor, but I remember feeling that way after the third or fourth time I'd gone back to reference it. It seemed like he lost it all to include any spiritual idea substituted for the truth. Well, the truth is great, but what what is a living man or a living woman without spiritual intent? Where do you go from there? Nowhere as far as I'm concerned. So I think it's, it's critical to get these points down. Well, let's just, you go nowhere, but that's, as I said, in the first chapter of my, my book, nowhere is one of the most beautiful languages, uh, words in the English language, because in that is encoded phonetically. Do you know where you are? You are now here because you can be nowhere else. And this is the moment, and this is the gift of life and it's beautiful. And we have a choice in everything. And you can make the most of things or you can be a malcontent. I think that's the word you're looking for with Robert Taylor. You can point everything out that's wrong with the system, but if you're not doing anything in your life to try to walk away from the system or to make an alternative system or to do something better, what's the point? Then you're just well, like he, that. Yeah, he, he tried. And he, you know, even the title of his book, you know, people read the title of that book, The Devil's Pulpit, and they may have spiritual concerns and say this may not be the reason it's named that is because the people that were doing him in called him the, the pastor devil. of the devil's pulpit in that roundhouse and other things. So he put it back in their face. And, and you know, there's so much to be gained from books like that. Uh, what was the other thing? You know, you were talking about uh, what we could call St. Thomas to Helen Tommy. You know, that used to be a, a popular cliche. No one knows what it means anymore. These are the things that slowly get lost out of language. We'll let you know. So let's let's get back briefly to the microcosm, macrocosm. Everyone listening and the three of us, we all experience a day, don't we? It's going to be light, then it's going to be dark, then it's going to be light. At no time 
in the course of experiencing a day, do we stop and say, oh my God, the sun's gone. Now we're in hell. Do we? No, but that's exactly, exactly what they have done with the macrocosm and then infringed on the microcosm. When you are in the course of a year, and, and it's not hard to imagine, by the way, go back three, 400 years if there is such a time. There's no supermarket. Anything you're going to get to eat, you damn well better grow or know where to get it. And by the way, if you live in certain parts of this world, by the time you're coming through the fall equinox, if you don't have enough set aside, you're not making it. You're going to starve to death. That's how critically important all this is. But what they did was they basically divided the light as heavenly ideas and the darkness or winter as hellish ideas. And even that is a perversion in itself because we can show all day long the language for healing is helios, which is the sun, which gives us the prefix or the idea of hell, which is another reason I wanted to cover the box saga because they went at the exact inverse of the way the world accepts the word hell, which is a put up. It's wholly a put up, isn't it, Dylan? Well, it, yeah, but I think a lot of that is more modern perversion of what they meant by that, right? So like when they're talking about whether it's Apollyon, Abaddon, right? The angel of the abyss, yep. that's the sun because that's when the year they recognize the beginning. Like that's when they're like each culture has their own uh, beginning and end of the cycle, right? Like in Egypt, they were more focused on the solstice, the summer solstice or in Greek, and then bleeding into the Roman Empire, the calendar of Romulus, it starts at the vernal January. equinox. Oh, I see what you're doing. Before March. they moved it to January. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, like, they've moved it, they've gone back, right? So, like, even in the old Roman times, before the calendar, before all, like, the, the new, like, Julian type of stuff, like, that, they, it was Janus, right? So, when you see, like, the keys, Janus holds the keys of heaven. It's the keys to the kingdom of the year. And he's got two faces. The old man is the old year. The young man is the, the new year. The papal authority that you see on the heraldry, those two keys and the Pope's garbs, that's Janus, right? Janua, yep. the door. January, January. St. John, John the Baptist, Aquarius. De middle. Delineating the acceptable year of the Lord, I might add. A 100. And yeah, so so what makes a year, everybody? Can everybody sit here and logically put together, how do we know a year? It's about the sun, isn't it? 100%. So what's the acceptable year of the Lord when you know that to be indisputable? You know, it, it's not arguable. It is what it is. And the sad thing is, is other cultures, right? Like that's the real symbol. That This is what we're talking about is the pure symbolism of like Pan, the horned gods, right? Uh, uh, Cernunos, any of them. Jupiter, Amun, right? The, the horns that you see on the Egyptian monuments, all that stuff that we associate with devilry and all that, it's winter sun symbolism because that's when they reckoned the year when those symbols were made. And this goes all the way back to Hindustan, where uh, going back to like one of your guests had, you was talking about this twilight language or whatever. So once the language of symbol of the actual languages break down, well, they're encoded with symbols. And that comes from the sacred tongue which are the idea of like the horns and radiance of the sun are encoded. That's why Michelangelo, they mean it comes from, uh, or it doesn't come from, but it's encoded in the Hebrew word Kiren, which would be transliterated as K-R-N, which is the root of Kronos, going back to root words, right? Yep. And that's why Kronos has the horns. And so when you look at all this, they're depicting the sun, Jupiter, Jupiter became Zupater, right? In Greek, yep. they didn't like the J. They all have the horns to show you this is the sun. Look at Michelangelo's carving uh, sculptures of Moses. People say he he Moses has the two horns. People can which, look which are yeah, you're told they're light beams, but as soon as you finish, I'll show they're still making up the same allegory. I can do it with Robert Johnson, but finish your thought. Well, no, people are telling you that Michelangelo misinterpreted the the scriptures and he didn't. He's initiating. This is for the initiated the right. initiates who Moses comes from Egypt, Moshe. This is what the initiates were called. The baptism starting a new path, starting a new life saved by the water, saved from baptism in the Nile. So these are telling you things uh, that are beautiful conceptually and beautiful processes. But we have a lot of people who are looking at this stuff and basically dumping sewage on all of it and saying, oh, it's devil worship, it's demon worship. And they're basically dragging it down to that satanic base consciousness of understanding 
that's kind of comparable to an animal. Negative fantasy. So, yes. So, so that is the basis from which a mind functions. That's a foundational, misguided foundation. And so all the thoughts and all the decisions made from that misguided foundation are in error. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, let's see. Did you, uh, you've been following me for a long time. Did you catch the episode where I mentioned a little bit about Robert Johnson, the old supposed blues master? Well, if you don't remember, that's, that's not the one who said he sold his soul to the devil for the rock star stuff, is it? Right, right. So I'm going to do this real quick. Then we're going to wrap up hour one. But here's okay. more proof, folks. I'm going to do this with Dylan. He's going to get sweaty palms, but I know he knows. <laughs> so Robert Johnson went down to the crossroads and fell down on his knees. Dylan, can you please tell me why Robert Johnson is on his knees? Well, because they're seeking the winter sun from his knees. In the sign of Capricorn, which is what on the human body? It corresponds to the knees. If people want to look into that, uh, George, George Carey is really good with that. All right. So he said to himself, he stood there and moaned and Bob looked east and west. Dylan, why did Bob at the crossroads on his knees look east and west? Path of the sun right? There's your, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, eclipse ecliptic, the rising sun. He's looking West last because that is where the sun is going down. Um, there's a whole breakdown and anyone who's interested in a modern initiation, and I'll tell you flat out, I don't accept that Robert Johnson was ever a living man in the way we were shown. And since we did that episode, they've tried to elevate other blues masters in the position Robert Johnson used to play as that character. But you see, they're even doing it up into modern times in that kind of priestly class. Now they're in modern entertainment, but they're still up to the same things. You know, everyone's pretty sure that if you don't know how to play a guitar, you can go find a crossroads and sell your soul to the devil. Well, I got news for you all. What's being encoded there is the creation and the low point of the sun and the allegory for hell that it's ever been fire and ice million ways we could say it. But John. that does exactly chrono <laughs> time yeah so so that does bring our one of episode 270 to a close jason anything you want to get in well the only thing we didn't touch on too much which i would like to hit on in hour two is the planet saturn well we can get into that six ways to sunday to make a joke all right that's Secret it guys <laughs> hey can i give uh, one thing out to your viewership just because sure. uh this stuff might be too intense for some people but uh there's a free chapter online for my book that's going to be really helpful to people who want to understand the legal world. And I really is the blackest of all magic, in my opinion, on this earth. So if you just type into any search engine, the blackest of all magic and Wattpad, that's W-A-T-T-P-A-D, I made what I would say is probably the most important chapter of my life that I've ever written. I made it available for free because that information is so important. I just want your viewership to have access to that. And it has nothing to do with the occult stuff. It's all about the legal system. Well, that's part, you know, a lot of people haven't been thrilled with the, with the legal episodes and, um, it's even getting more intense now that some people are jumping in without a full quiver if you follow, uh, but there's no separating any of it. You can't separate the King James. You can't separate any form of law. You can't separate the Testaments. You can't separate any modern religion in this world, corporate religion from the things we're talking about, which part of it, a big part of it is the sky clock, but basically the creation or the perfection of nature from our point of view, because if you want to build something, what do you need? A true foundation. And since these people are engaged in man-made systems, which are not perfections, they have to base it on something they can count on. And that's what they're doing. And so you're not separating law from the sky clock. You're not separating religion from it. And you're not separating religion from law and the systems that we see. And it's sad, but it's true. And so this brings us to where we are. Do we continue on into the future doing what we've been doing? Or do we start at the foot of this brand new massive mountain and start sending climbers? By the way, some of the climbers ain't making it. Some of them will fail or worse which is why I put the intro that I put on this. Don't mess around. Climbing a mountain of this magnitude can be dangerous. There it is, man. That's the first hour of episode 270. Join us at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777 radio, where the second hour will be posted for members. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded end to this era. There it is, man. Cheers.
kind of beast of knowing. Come.